Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Greetings. Welcome all of you watching online. I'd like to ask you to stand with me. If you're at home in bed, stand up. <laughs> Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. Uh, we're starting a new series today entitled Killing Giants. And we all have giants in our lives, and uh, we oftentimes give more credence to the giant in our life than the extreme giant in our heart. <laughs> and we oftentimes find ourselves living in fear. As a result of that, we put up walls. As a result of that, every decision we make is based on self very first giant I want to deal with today, which is the first giant that we should always deal with, is the giant of self. Uh, one man says, the philosophy of me first has the power to blow our world to pieces, not in a good way, whether applied to marriage, business, or international politics. Another person says, all mankind is divided into three classes, those that are immovable, those that are movable, and those that move. Uh, many years ago, I uh, watched a video that moved me uh, beyond what I could ever imagine would move me. And uh, I, I would title this sermon or subtitled Killing Giants, um, Becoming Second, or I think they called it I Am Second. In other words, probably the best way to address being self-absorbed, self-centered, self-conscious, all the things that we face would be to serve others. So what I'm about to show you is a man and his son. His son was born with an extreme case of cerebral palsy. The doctor said, you should take him and institutionalize him because he will never, ever be normal. He will never walk. He will never talk. And uh, he and his wife determined that they would raise this child. So that's kind of the backdrop for what you're about to see. Go ahead, guys. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk. By your side, I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine, I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, one will my heart feel Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still Will I stand in your presence, 
Kind of wrecks you, doesn't it? I watched it three times this morning in preparation for today and uh, cried every time. As I looked at Dick Hoyt, care for Rick Hoyt, his son, for 34 years, he did marathons, triathlons, Ironman competitions, when most of us wouldn't be able to even do it alone. He was pulling his son in a boat, pushing him in a wheelchair, and riding him on a bike. I wanted to make a point that we are called not to be served, but we are called to serve. The giant of self, how will this benefit me? Pros and cons. How somebody treated me. As I watched Dick Hoyt, second to Christ, as I looked at what Jesus did for us and on the cross suffering and dying and 110% selfless, We often think about success, money, 
material things. We measure our lives by what we have achieved for ourselves. I watched this video with great conviction, realizing that if I were to compare my life to Dick Hoyt, I know I can't compare my life to Jesus, so let's humanize it. If I were to compare my life with Dick Hoyt, I'm a lost, selfish human being. In some of you, that would make you feel self-condemned. And there is that temptation. That's not the goal. The goal is for this to challenge us and ask the question, what are we willing to do for others? Because what I see in that video, you say, well, what is it? That's what I call love. It's just pure and simple. It's just love. A man who knew the, his whole life would forever be different than everyone else's. And rather than just looking at it that way, he chose to make a difference out of something that would make him different than everyone else. And as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, I've looked at my life through the lens of family, ministry, success, failure, and I've realized that there's so much more that I could be and that I could do if I stopped looking in the mirror and asking how it would benefit me. I'm all about inspiration and motivation. I'm all about joy and happiness. I love to be happy and joyful, but also want to become a better person than I've ever been. And I wake up a lot of days face some things that I complain about, get frustrated over. And when I watch this video, I ask myself the question, do I really have the right to be frustrated? Do I have the right to complain? I woke up this morning and walked into a closet that had more clothes than any human being really needs. With enough shoes to never buy another pair the rest of my life. In a home and neighborhood that very little trouble. And I went, Mark Crow, who are you? In April in Ukraine this year as I was preaching at a conference there. And standing on stage and I just began to weep as I, I began to think through what love really is. And it wasn't that I was sad at all. In fact, I was feeling the love of God so strongly that I asked myself the question... Are you willing to love the way God loves? And in that moment, I felt God challenging me. I want you to love those around you the way I love you. I began to cry because inside me, I began to really wonder if I could ever possibly even get close. But my new quest in life is this. And man, I fail every day, I think. But... It's just to love others, starting with my wife, the way Jesus has loved me. And as perfect as some of you think that blonde-headed beauty is, she's not. She's wonderful, she's beautiful, but she is a lady. She is human. And any time that she might make me frustrated the reality is 
That's not her problem. That's mine. I have the opportunity to do what Jesus did. I have the opportunity to love without judgment. To respond without frustration, though I fail. And this morning, I get up and I always pray on Sunday mornings and spend a couple hours by myself just saying, God, are you finished with this message? And typically every Sunday, God says, I wasn't and I'm not and here's what I want you to do. And this video came to me and I sat there and I watched it. Susan came to the door, the office door, and tears running down my face. You often wonder, oh, this is strange. But really for me it's not because the tears that I shed were tears of joy knowing that I too like Dick Hoyt, could love in a way that would represent Christ. I don't know if Dick is even a Christian, but I do know this. He acts more like a Christian than I ever did. 2013, he and his son Rick were invited to the ESPYs to receive an award in front of some of the greatest athletes in the world. They won the Jimmy V Award for endurance and perseverance and never giving up. Jimmy V died of cancer, they, but to his last day, Jimmy V was positive and upbeat. So they give an award every year in 2013. Rick and Dick Hoyt received that award. A great life is not always an easy life. What makes a great life a great life is the choices we make to respond to blessing and adversity, both equally, one no more than the other. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered, not the victories he won, not the healings he did in front of others, not the, the applause when they cried out, Hosanna, but when he hung on a cross where he did not deserve to hang, and he was able to look down and say, Father, Forgive these people who are crucifying me. They don't know what they're doing. That's what I call love. That's what we're called to do, is love our neighbors. We love ourselves, and as we embrace the love of God. I go back to our mission statement, creating a culture of love, grace, and mercy. Because love never fails. Love covers a multitude of sin. Where there is sin, and there is sin in enormous fashion in our lives in this world, where there is that kind of sin, grace abounds over that sin. Dick and his wife could have asked a lot of questions. Why us? Why would you give us a son like Rick with his cerebral palsy. Why, why would we? What did we do? This is the question a lot of Christians have. What did we do to deserve this? But they didn't ask that question. They asked the question, what do we do now? We have a son that they've told us to institutionalize and, and, and put away because, because he's never going to be normal. They didn't ask that question. They said, what do we do now? With the son we've been given. Too often we, we look around and we ask, why us? Why did I get this kind of child? Why was my marriage broken? Why did this happen? Instead of saying, God, 
my problem and my crisis, my adversity is bigger than me. This is not all about me. This is about the world around me, the cross before me. I'm going to destroy the giant of self. God, I don't want to get up and go to church. I don't want to get up and preach. I, I don't want to serve children. I don't want to stand in the parking lot with a stupid sign with an orange vest. I'm too cool for that, God. I don't like orange. I don't have one orange shirt in my closet. And yet you're asking me to come early to church and hold a sign in an orange vest. How dare you? And it's the very thing you need to kill the giant of self. And I know what some of you say, I do it, but I don't like it. Then you better do it until you like it. Or you suck. <laughs> we spend time doing things that, that we don't like. And we still complain and talk about it. When the complaining is gone. And the frustration no longer exists. You will have climbed a mountain that you never thought you could climb. But as long as you're complaining and whining and being critical and bitter, God's saying, there's another race. There's another Boston Marathon. There's another triathlon. How many times did Dick Hoyt say, I'm so tired of this? Under his breath until 34 years later. They were going to retire at the Boston Marathon because that's where it all began. And on the year they were going to retire was the year of the Boston Marathon bombing. And they didn't want to go out with that memory of disaster and terrorism and death. Can you hear Dick Hoyt saying, God, why did you let this happen? we come to the end of our race. We had determined this was it. And, and God, we had spent 31 years and this happens. We're done. He said, nope. We're going to show the world that terrorism and death cannot stop us. We've got to become stronger. We've got to become more selfless. We've got to become less entitled and less lazy. God's kingdom it's not a kingdom of sissies and wimps. It's not a kingdom of simple praise and worship. It's a kingdom of sacrifice and service and suffering. It's a kingdom that requires the people who live in it to put their own desires and wills aside and like Jesus say, not my will, but your will be done, God. In the face of death and crucifixion, we must rise up with the voice of Jesus that says, Self, you will no longer rule my life. Some of you will walk out of here angry today and say, I'm never going back. This is just too strong. God bless you as you go to Sissy Christian Church. I'm going to fight until the bitter end. 
You know how bitter it is? God will add sweet and low to the finish. But we have to kill the giant of self. For a whole month, I promoted children's ministry and service in children's ministry. If I were to do the math in the month of January, we had well over 2,500 people here. We probably got 10 people that said, I will help kids. Now, you know, that could land on you one of two ways. How dare pastor try to condemn us? I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm sharing how sad I am that every week we stand up here and we ask people, get involved. I'm too busy. I've got things to do. Yeah, so do I. So do everybody else who serves. The giant of self will keep you from the blessing of God. And that's its goal. I deserve better. I've been a good Christian. I've never done anything wrong. Well, relatively speaking, as I look at everybody else, I'm really good. (laughs) We're not called to look at everybody else. We're called to look and see how we line up against this. And I got to tell you all something. If I were to measure my life by this and not the cross, I'm going to hell. I'm just being honest. If it was not for the cross and grace of Christ, my performance would not even get a medal. And so every day I have to get up and not measure it against Dick Hoyt and Rick Hoyt, though I would prefer that because in light of what Jesus did and in light of this, even Dick Hoyt and Rick Hoyt would fall short. You see, the only hope we have It's our faith in Jesus Christ and our response to that. As I'm watching that video, I'm I'm thinking to myself, Susan was thinking too, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that you get in your mind. And I thought if anything happened to my wife when she got old, how would I treat her? Would I carry her like Dick Hoyt carried Rick Hoyt? I know these are hard questions. This is a little bit of a somber type message for Mark Rowe. But every now and then, I think we have to have that talk. You know what I'm saying? Like the one you have with your teenager. Where you sit down and you go, let's look at reality here. What's best for the kingdom? What's best for the family? What's best for all of us? Not what's best for me. In, in Matthew chapter 25, I would like for you to turn. This is really way off the beaten message here, Okay. I just got to be honest with you. If you go on, uh, if you go on you version and look at my sermon, you go, "Where are his notes?" Well, they're on there, but it's not what I'm preaching. Same title, works great, but but I'm challenged. I'm personally challenged. I want to be a better person, not for Mark Crow, but for the world around me. I want to smile more. I want to be nicer. I want to have an incredibly loving response when somebody's totally 110% stupid and wrong. Because so often when somebody's stupid and wrong, our goal is to make sure they see they're stupid and wrong. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to prove you're an idiot. I don't see Jesus in any of that. 
I don't wake up ever one day and, and feel this impression in my spirit that Jesus is saying, Mark, you were a real idiot yesterday. I think you need to know that. No, you know what he's saying? I don't think you need to know that. I think you need to know my love, which will draw you instead of drive you. You say, but I, that's enabling and that's endorsing. No, it's not. The consequences of our behavior will take care of themselves. Jesus says, you need me to take care of you. Amen. He's separating the sheep and the goat. And some of you remember that uh, story in Matthew chapter 25. And he says, then the king will see those to his right. Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance and kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison or go visit you? The king will reply, I will tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. It'd be safe to say that in the wheelchair, basket on the front of the bike, Dick Hoyt was actually peddling Jesus. Pulling Jesus, rowing Jesus, peddling Jesus. As often as you did it for Rick, Dick, you did it for me. This morning, teachers in children's ministry are actually teaching Jesus. You say, what well, can they teach Jesus? Go with me. Caring for Jesus. What can you do? What can I do to kill the giant of self? You're going to leave here in just a few minutes and you're hungry, I can tell. The donuts just didn't stick. And here in this wonderful country, Called America. You'll walk to the car talking about what restaurant you're going to eat at. And you will get in a fight over where you're going. Born in the USA. When today throughout the world... There won't be an argument of what restaurant we're going to, but where do we go to find food today? I'm not trying to 
rain on your blessing. I believe that God blesses us. I believe in everything good. I guess where I'm at is I have to wake up and go, Mark Rowe, how much of what you're doing is all about you? And what would you do? that was you the only thing standing between myself and what God has for me is not how I was brought up how much money I have whether my parents did good the only thing standing between me and what God has for me is me. Because you cannot stop what God has for me. Only I can. People blame other people all the time for their shortcomings and why they haven't succeeded or excelled. All the while missing the real obstacle that has prevented them from living the life that they want to live. Well, my husband, he just doesn't get it. If it wasn't for him, I'd be, and the husband says the same thing. Not in reality, it's your response to your spouse, not your spouse. It's your response to your kids. It's your response to your boss. It's your response. Maybe you're in the tough job that you're in. You have an idiot boss because that idiot boss needs you. Maybe you've been assigned to a position for a season. It's been all about your promotion, how much money you make, and the peace that you possess when you go to work. And that peace is dependent on how you're treated by your boss, when in reality, the Bible says it's God who keeps us in perfect peace because we keeps our, keep our minds on Him. telling Susan on the way here I said you know I've, one of the things I've learned about pain is it's a bully and the only way to get a bully to turn is embrace the bully just go up and love it I've learned that if I embrace pain yeah. and I squeeze it hard it takes away its sting in me so if your boss is truly an idiot, don't be arrogant and say, you're so stupid, but I am assigned to help your life. <laughs> Our assignment is to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Selfless people don't measure fairness Selfless people measure their lives against their will to do God's will. Am I willing? I want us to be a selfless church, not a perfect church. That'll never exist, but we can be a selfless church. A church that is willing to wave cars into the parking lot 
filled with debris from families who had an exciting time last night at Incredible Pizza. A building that simply has an M on the side of it. People have no clue what that means without people holding signs saying, we could only afford an M, so we use human beings to hold signs telling you, please come to church. People that stand at a, a door every week. And in Oklahoma, that's a challenge. That wouldn't be in most places because you never know what weather we're going to have here. It could be windy. It could be cold. It could be 32. And then on Sunday, 70 with winds gusting. It could be snowing. It could be raining. You greeters are special people. You're all like Navy SEALs. Willing to weather it all just to get a few people to come through the door so that you can love on them. You're selfless. You're addressing the giant of self every time you choose to do something that has no benefit to you, that cannot be repaid by the person for which you're doing it. you don't complain about it let's pray father thank you you are so selfless that you looked at selfish mankind <coughs> and said they'll never make it without a savior and a sacrifice that's perfect so I'm going to offer up my only begotten son to do the most selfless thing any person could ever do, which is to give their life for a human race where millions will never say thank you, will never acknowledge what he did, Yet I will give my son in hopes that people will, re will realize what I'm doing is to save them. What I'm doing is salvation. Christ was selfless. We're called to be like Jesus. That's what means makes us Christians is that we have him in our hearts and we want to do Christ-like things. Thank God I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm simply talking about being selfless. Today, if you want to begin that journey, you say, God, I want to be like your son. In order to do that, your son needs to live in me. Your spirit needs to reside in my heart. I want to pray a prayer. And I want you to pray this with me. Some of you for the first time, some of you have what Christians used to call, churches used to call backslidden. You've gone to a cool place in your walk with God. There's no longer any passion, desire to be better. You've just given yourself over to going to heaven, which is the devil's second greatest ploy. If I can't keep you from heaven, then my ploy is to keep heaven from you. 
Now, I'm not going to give the devil the privilege of stealing me going to heaven or robbing me of heaven coming to me. So when we pray this prayer, you're not only making a deal with God, if you will, that says, God, I, I want to go to heaven and I'm praying this prayer. And secondly, God, when I pray this prayer, I want you to bring heaven to my life. So everyone, everyone pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son <clears throat> to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Thank you for heaven, and thank you for bringing heaven to me. Amen.